I like the fact that we're getting getting some splash, um, but you know it's just not a large enough sample size. But that's the thing that we all battle this time of year. It's a limited sample size. If you're looking to feel good, uh, you can find it. Um, but I don't know that I or we are looking to feel good. We're just working. Hey, we, we know it's the, it's the preseason. The games don't necessarily count, but you want to have that momentum going into the regular season. And I think uh, Coach Reed was pretty adamant about that, and I thought the guys responded well. Hey, I'm in it with you guys. It's not about me coming here to try to turn my career around or, you know, get things for me. It's about, you know, me being a part of what you guys have going. I think just really having an understanding, being grateful that I get to play football for a living, you know, and, and it doesn't need to be so so stressful. It doesn't need to be, you know, putting so much stress on your shoulders every single day to try and be perfect. For those listening on SiriusXM or podcast, that was Mike Tomlin, then Patrick Mahomes, then Darren Waller, and finally, Zach Wilson. And it's PFT Live. We're here for two hours on this Monday morning. Just a couple of weeks away from the start of the regular season, 17 days, if my memory is correct. And at this age, it rarely is. Good morning, Christopher. Good How morning. Was weekend? It was good. It was good. You know, weekend, a uh, little relaxation, had some fun, uh, you know, um, dealing with, you know, a 17-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and, and then had a little bit, a bit of a, a nephew birthday party, baby Mateo, my brother Matthew. His baby, Mateo, turned two yesterday. So uh, that was a good Sims family day at my mom and dad's house. It was a good weekend, Mike. How about you? Good. It was a good weekend. It was so good that I almost did it again. When the alarm went off at 6 a.m., I thought to myself, why did I set my alarm for a Sunday? And I almost turned it off and went back to sleep. That's the second time that's happened since we returned from hiatus. The more times it happens, the greater the chance. One of those times, I am going to turn it off and go back to sleep. And there will be an empty chair here. <laughs> I hope so. Me when the show begins. It really, I was just like, what in the hell is wrong with me? I got the alarm set for a Sunday. So I'm going to need to start contemplating some sort of a backup system beyond the two alarms I set, I set for six and six Oh five. And I assume if I ever would allow myself to believe that it was a weekend, I would turn off both alarms. I would have the presence of mind to turn off both alarms. So the challenge would be snapping out of my misimpression before I turn the two alarms off and then go back to sleep. So I may need to put like an old school alarm on the other side of the room just to just, just to, to make, make you sure get up and wake up. And of like, course, are, do you hit the snooze yeah. button? Are you a snooze hitter, though, no. on one of them? No, you're not at all. Okay, see? No, no I'm snooze. I'm a machine no. the snooze. Because my wife's, no, no my, my wife's in bed, so she can't have the snooze going off every nine minutes while she's still asleep. So it's one time up and out. And most mornings, what I'll do is wake up five minutes before it's time to get up. I'll just wake up. And I get out of bed and the alarm never goes off. And if that happens, that's a good day because then my alarm didn't wake her up at 6 a.m. Ideally, my alarm won't go off at all. So, so and wait, I think that's so part of it, too. You're when the sleeping alarm in actually, bed the whole night with your wife again now? I thought you were get up yeah. at a 4 a.m. going to the other room. So this is news to me. I didn't even know this was a thing right now. She's like, yeah, just for those of you who have discovered the show in the last year, <laughs> there was a point in time, and this really started – Back when the radio show began at 6 a.m., an hour before the TV show, so I was getting up even earlier, there was a point where I would wake up 
just naturally before my alarm went off. And if it was within an hour or so before I was supposed to get up, I would just go to the guest room right next to my office and I'd finish sleeping there. So when the alarm went off, it wouldn't disturb my wife. I thought I was doing something nice. And at some point along the way, she said, just sleep until the alarm goes off because you still wake me up when you get your, you know, bony ass out of bed. She didn't say that. I'm embellishing, but she's probably said that some other time. So I'm slapping a couple stories together. When you get up, before your alarm goes off, it wakes me up anyway. So just wait till the damn alarm goes off. So that's what I started doing. So I stay in bed now until the alarm goes off. Although every once in a while, if I'm really tired at 6, I'll crawl into one of the guest room beds and sleep until like 6.30 and just say, I don't need to try to get a story wow. posted before the show starts. Wow. I've been very good about it. Since we've come back from hiatus, though, most mornings, most mornings I do something productive before the show starts, and usually that means post a story to that. I posted something about some comments Jerry Jones had to Peter King during Peter King's training camp tour. You can see those comments from Jones directly to Peter and my take on his comments at profootballtalk.com. And by the way, I just wrote that, finished it 25 minutes ago. It is astounding to me. We've talked about this before, Chris, but as we're getting another football season into focus. Yeah, right. In the first 29 years of the existence of the Dallas Cowboys, the first 29 seasons, because Jerry Jones bought it after the 1988 season, they started in 1960, so that's 29 seasons. In 29 seasons, they went to the conference championship, or its equivalent, it was the NFL championship before the merger, but they went to the game before you get to the Super Bowl 12 times in their first 29 seasons. This year, I think, is going to be season 29 since the last time they even went to an NFC championship game. They've been zero. That continues to be the one thing I would have never bet on, or I would have bet everything I own and ever will own against the idea that the Cowboys won't make it back to an NFC championship championship. for 28 years. Yeah. Because, and the whole point of it is, the whole point of it is this distinction between Owners who truly believe in their teams and owners who just have to say that because it's good for business. And my takeaway was if Jerry Jones truly, truly expected to compete for a Super Bowl every year since 1996 and they didn't even get to the semifinal round any of those years, he's lived a miserable freaking life since 1996. And. How miserable can you be when you have a boat like he has and the money he has? I mean, that's the thing. There's this duality for owners. Oh, we really want to win. We want to win. We want to win. Oh, boy, we're not winning. Oh, wait. I just looked at our bank statement. Oh, we're winning. Oh, we're definitely winning. Everybody's winning. Only one of us is winning a Super Bowl, but everybody's winning. That's what it is, though. That's what it is. When you're one of the old, you know, when you're in the upper quartile of the upper quartile of the the (laughs) oligarchs, okay? I mentioned him, too. I mentioned Ursay because he's just like Jones. He's always saying, we're going to win, we're going to win. Right, right. So when you're you're up there, right, I I, I think it becomes more, you're, you're competing against 
31 other guys that all have the same boat you do, that they have the diamond-encrusted toilet seats. So what separates us, you know, from the pack? Oh, Super Bowls. Oh, look at that Mr. Kraft up there. Damn, he's rich like me, and he's got Super Bowl trophies growing on a damn tree, and I can't even get to one of the damn games. And I think that's what it becomes, you know. These guys are ultra-competitive. That's why they're ultra-successful and rich as hell and everything else. They are. There's a drive in them, and it's, it's probably eating away at them. And Mike, to your point too, it's 29 years this year coming up too. I think what makes it worse is, you know, in those 29 years, they probably had five or six teams where you go, that was a Super Bowl caliber team, or at least should have been in an NFC championship game. And they got upset to not even get to that game, which I don't know if that's worse or makes it better, but I, I, I would think it makes it worse. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. They have that type of quality of team this year. We know that we'll just see if they can get it done. As Bruce Springsteen says in the great song, Badlands, poor man want to be rich, rich man want to be king, and king ain't satisfied until he rules everything. And it is a sad statement to think that you could be that rich and that powerful and still miserable because you aren't getting the thing that you believe you should be getting. I don't think you he's aren't miserable. For the thing. Do you think he's miserable? He doesn't look like a oh, miserable guy. That's my point. Yeah. But that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. If he's a true believer, and if you accept as 100% honest and authentic everything he says about the turmoil and the angst and how badly he wants to win, and I want me some glory hole and all that stuff from all those years, <laughs> I was just then he should, <laughs> right. he should be miserable. He should be miserable. Right? Yeah. But how can he be miserable? He's got a mini aircraft carrier. How can you? And I know that money doesn't buy happiness, but it goes a long way. (laughs) It helps. (laughs) Lack of money buys the opposite of happiness. So there is some comfort in being that rich. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a human being just like the rest of us. And he rolls out of bed every day and there's something that he worries about. And when you're really, 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 really rich, the things you worry about are different from the things you worry about when you're the opposite of really, really rich. But there's always something. We all have something. I guess that's the point. We all have something. But, but I think that it's unhealthy for an owner of an NFL team to define success based on whether or not their team is winning a Super Bowl. Because you would be pissed off all the time. Well, Even Robert Kraft. Uh, uh, yeah. He's got six in 20 years. That's 14, 15, 16 years of being pissed off. Well, that's where it gets back to it. It is an interesting conversation of like relevancy or the team that goes in, in on it. Now, you know, I know the Patriots don't, don't like – you know, count in this conversation, right? Because they're in and on it and they've done uh, unbelievable things. But like I had this conversation a little bit with one of my buddies, Dwight Smith, at the Hall of Fame ceremony for Rondé Barber. He told me... Should have been the MVP of Super Bowl 37. Could have been, should have been, he's the man, right? One of my best buddies I ever played with. Well, he told me since he's retired playing, he's a Green Bay Packers fan. And I was like, what? And he's very smart and always 
analytical and thinks about things. And he goes, yeah, we're going to be in it every year. We might not win the Super Bowl, but I'm a Packers fan because we're going to be in the conversation. They're never going to be that bad. And I was like, okay. I was like, damn, all right. I mean, that's what you want? And he's like, yeah, what else would you want? And he was kind of giving it to me. And I was like, I don't know. I'll take a few years of, like, being a Giants fan and we're stinky dinky. But we got four Super Bowls. We got we got two more Super Bowls than you. I thought that was the object of this damn thing. So I don't know. You tell me. Uh, so it, it, it is. Uh, you talk about it all the time. It made me think of you, and it is a good conversation. Packers do have four, by the way. They do have four. I know you're right. Well, the I first was trying two to count like the don't old, count. I was trying to count the old, the, the yeah. recent recent days here. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I know they have four. But you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. Good enough is just good enough for certain teams that wear purple helmets with horns on them. And are you really trying to do what you have to do to win a Super Bowl, or are you are you self aware? Are you cognizant of the reality that it is so hard to get to the top of the mountain? It's profitable to just be at the base camp or whatever it is or whatever, wherever it is before they start the final climb. Is that what they call you. it? Base camp? I don't think where you're halfway yeah, up the mountain. There. Right. I got you're you. always half. You're always you're always far enough up the mountain that people are paying attention to you. Yeah, right. You're never down at the bottom of the mountain, not getting your shoes on. I think that's you're, the base you're, camp. You know, you're, yes, you're relevant you. every right. year. Right. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> the not... final summit or some <laughs> shit like that. I don't know. Oops. <laughs> Happy <wrong>. Monday. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, Preseason week two is over. And you know what? Just as I get used to the preseason, it's almost done. We got one more week up. Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. They're going to be cutting the rosters down to 53 next Tuesday. Got a little game tonight. But we glean what we can. Yep. From, that's true. We got one more. It's not done. How can I? How could I forget Sam Howell making his debut as the official starter of oh. the Commanders tonight against the Ravens? There is one more game before we close the books on week two. I apologize for my error. And then we're only three nights away from the start of the the next week of the preseason. And hey, Chris, I like this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I like it. I do too. And I know that toward the end of the season when the NFL is allowed due to the broadcast and I trust law to begin televising games again on Friday and Saturday, we get into that rhythm. I, I like having more football to watch. Although it was weird. There was just one game Thursday and it was just two on Friday. Know, that's right. And just one on Sunday. Yeah. And they dumped all of them into Saturday. Spread them out a little bit. I, I, that's I'm I'm with you there. You know, you're you're missing you're you're missing some people who would sit down and watch more, and therefore you know more money for for the NFL. But yeah, that's that's hard. Saturday, woo man. I mean, I you know had the remote. It was on fire going back and forth between games and channels and trying to do it. I, unlike you, don't have multiple TVs in my setup, so I'm like a you know making can't hide money. Yeah, yeah, not trying to. I got a huge, big ass TV, but then I do have like a laptop just to maybe keep an eye on another game, right? And I'm trying to flip back and see it all. But wow, like like you said, Saturday there was about seven games on all at one time, and it was hard to watch everything. But they could have just dropped a couple games in I'm, yesterday. The, the game between the Saints and the Chargers starts at 7 5 Eastern. For yesterday. Why not have a game at 1? Yeah. Why not have a game at 4? It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't doesn't get make that any either. Sense. I don't get it either. But I, I guess it's the NFL doesn't have total control of the schedule, right? This is this is one that's it's run by the teams. They're the ones that figure out 
you know, when when they're going to play, who they're going to play, right? There, so there's, there's some privileges or some freedom as far as the preseason schedule goes to the organizations. It's just a little nudge here, a little nudge there to smooth things out. I mean, they managed to do it for Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. They get games in those those standalone windows, but to have that big cluster on Saturday, it was kind of exciting. It was kind of like a real game day, but the games were all spread out during the course of the day too, much more than they are during a normal Sunday when most of them are at one, and then there's a handful at 425 Eastern. Regardless, regardless, there was plenty of football, and we're going to be talking about it for the remainder of the time that we have today. And let's start with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the Dolphins quarterback who – was back on the field for the first time this year. First time since we saw him Christmas Day. Yeah. Remember, we found out the next day he was in concussion protocol again. We didn't see him for the rest of the year. He wasn't cleared until after the Pro Bowl games, which he would have qualified for. He plays two drives, five for seven, 61 yards, and an interception. And what a, what a difference. First drive, first throw, most accurate quarterback in the NFL, according to Tyreek Hill, throws the ball right to a Texans defender. And then the next drive, after they get the ball back, after they stop, look at that, right to him. Where, like, there's three Texans there. I I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. He got. He got. What was that? He got over aggressive. I think he saw the guy screaming up the field, untouched, unchecked, right? And he thought, wait, I could get this ball to this guy before he gets to the next level. But then there was the safety there. I don't think the ball came out of his hand, right? Hey, again, it's what we talked about last week. Even for Tua, you got to get out there and play and feel the speed of the game. And he corrected quickly, and they were a machine on the next drive. Oh, very quickly because they stopped the Texans, got the ball back around their five, and then it was slice oh, and dice was, all right? the way down the field. Yeah, it was. It was night and day difference from that first play to the second drive, and it ultimately ended with. Um, a touchdown, and that was it for Tua on uh, week two of the preseason. They have a feel of, like, with how smart McDaniel is and how talented their football team is, and Tua in the comfort zone, and like we've talked about before, a wheeler and a dealer, a point guard, whatever else. You kind of feel like when they get in a groove or get a first down, you're like, I, I, I don't think you're going to be able to stop them. There they go. Right? Like, yeah. It's like you're just like, they got too many good players. The offense is too well orchestrated that they're just going to kind of execute their way down the field. And, yeah, it might not be sexy bombs or anything like that, but it's four yards to the running back, and he's super fast, so now it's 10 yards. And then it's a short pass to Tyreek, and he's super fast, and it's a 15-yard gain. And then you're worried about that, and then he hits the tight end on a 15-yard out. And they just, the, the you know, the Dolphins are legit. I think we both know that as long as he stays healthy with that talent. And Mike McDaniel staying ahead of the curve of people catching up to him. I, I have a hard time thinking they won't be in the very, very thick of things when it's all said and done. 14-play drive after that one-play drive. Five different receivers got passes from Tua Tonga-Vailoa on that drive. It was his first game in 237 days here he is afterwards for Tua talking about yeah that's right now he's got to stay on the field here he is talking about getting back on the field it was awesome it you get all the feelings that you normally feel of getting back out there again butterflies you know anxious to get out there all these thoughts going through your head but I, I, I thought it felt it felt really good being able to go out there call plays with the guys the camaraderie in the huddle, you know, things didn't go our way. Adversity hit, and it was cool to see the guys respond. 
You know, one great moment from Tua as well. He got hit at one point, and you could see him spin toward the ground and incorporate the jujitsu training Mm -hmm. to avoid getting thrown back and having his helmet strike the turf. He spun into it, turned around, stopped, head didn't hit. So we saw a little bit of what that training possibly has done. There were just too many occasions last year where we saw him get shoved to the ground and it was head straight back against it. He seems to have incorporated it. We'll see how it goes in the games that count. That really is the question. Can he stay healthy once the games count? Can you avoid hits, which we never talk about? We talk about how he's going to deal with hits, and I know certain hits are unavoidable, but some are, and you avoid them. But when you do get hit, are you going to avoid those situations where your head hits the ground? Because we saw that three times with him last year. Two officially were concussions, and one anyone with an ounce of common sense knows was a concussion, and that marred the Dolphin season. If he had been able to play the whole year, oh, who yeah. knows how good the Dolphins oh, could have been exactly last year. right. They'd been scary. Nobody wanted to see the Dolphins come into town with a healthy Tua and that offense and that team and the way that you're – I mean, you're right. They could have been a team that had been there in Kansas City playing in the AFC Championship game. Their talent is of that, no doubt. And you're right. Tua looks different. You know, looks – more in shape and explosive. And I think he looks that way even in like his post-game press conference. You see his arms and his shoulders. There's more muscle there than years past. But he just seems very confident and sure of where he wants to go with the football. I mean, other than that first throw, he knew where he wanted to go. He read the coverage right. That throw there was a tight window underneath coverage, almost got it. Uh, But, yeah, I think the big thing with the Dolphins to continue to watch, we don't have to really evaluate much. It's their O-line. And how does that work out as far as, you know, hey, uh, Teron Armstead's been a little banged up, right, at the left tackle position. The right tackle position, they got a first-rounder in Austin Jackson from a few years ago who's not really come through yet. So do they come through that group of guys there? If they do, the Dolphins have one of the best rosters in football. We know that, and it's watch out. And, and I, just, just for you and me talking ball, the other thing that's interesting with the Dolphins is the backup quarterback thing. Uh, just because I know you and I were texting. I mean, damn, are they trying to run Mike White out of town already? Is Skyler Thompson going to be the backup there in Miami? Well, White hardly played. He took four snaps right. in all. Thompson had the bulk of the of the duties after Tua, and he looked great. He looked really good. He looked good. great. He was dropping dimes. He was. I mean, he took him right down the field twice, and that's why I texted you. They don't need Mike White. I, I, they got Skylar Thompson. And I know they need a reliable backup. They need a veteran presence. They need somebody who can stay healthy. But Thompson helped them give the Bills a run for their money. Now, I, we saw I, that maybe it was about the Bills the next week when they lost 27-10 to the Bengals. But still, they loved Skylar Thompson this time last year. There was a buzz about him. And when was. he did get to play... He he showed a little something as to why people were excited. Well, maybe this is the year he steps up and becomes, you know, a guy that if it doesn't work out with Tua, then he's the guy that they could build around. But, yeah, I mean, and when you've got Thompson under a seventh-round rookie contract, yeah, so you matter. don't have a lot of money invested right. in the position, you right. can go out and sign a Mike White and give him $5 million guaranteed or whatever it was. Yep. But it may go Tua, Skyler, Mike White. 
not to a Mike White Skyler when it's right. time to put that final depth chart I, together. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, Skyler Thompson, I think, has more physical ability than Mike White. So th- that's going to be the interesting thing. And you're right. There was buzz about him last year. He came into that Jets game when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt and played okay. Did a pretty good job at the end of the year. You know that he's gonna he's grown as a player here. You could see they just with the way they ran the offense. I mean, yeah, he's capable of wheeling and dealing and making a few plays with his legs, and he's got a little bit of an arm there. It'll be interesting. Yeah, you, you might be right, Mike. It might be one of those things where, hey, they gave Mike White $5 million. He's played a little bit more. It's not a ton more. It's not like he's Johnny Experience either. But maybe he is the third stringer and just the guy just in case. And Skyler Thompson does win that backup job. I'll be interested to see how they play it out in, in uh, preseason week three. I remember the return of the three quarterback rule for game day where you have an extra uniform that can only be worn by a quarterback to have that third quarterback. You've got to carry three on your 53 man roster. And there's a question, how many teams will actually burn a roster spot for a third quarterback among the 53? Right. If you don't, you can't have three quarterbacks in uniform. And with the questions about Tua, the dolphins are one of the teams Definitely. that needs to take full advantage of the Definitely. three quarterback right. rule. So they will have Tua and Skylar Thompson and Mike White, especially regardless of anything that happens on game day. Even if you don't dress QB three, you need two others because you're kind of constantly holding your breath about whether or not Tua is going to is going to get injured. Right. So you need two others ready to go. Yeah, no, you, you got it. I think it's a smart play. They know that, and they can't. This is the this is a conversation we have all the time. They're a team you can't risk it. They're too good. It, it's here. The time is now. You know, you you can't be playing games with the backup quarterback position here. You know, when you have a chance to be like, well, we could win the Super Bowl, and we can lose the Super Bowl, or not be in that conversation if our quarterback gets hurt, misses three or four games, and we're inadequate at the backup quarterback position. So they've done the right thing there by by their team and their organization. Another team that had a quarterback injury issue that did not pop up for this specific quarterback until the final game of the season, the 49ers, they get Brock Purdy back on the field. And there is such a strange vibe around the 49ers. Everybody except Brock Purdy is holding their breath. Everybody except Brock Purdy (laughs) is worried about whether or not he can stay healthy. Everybody except Purdy is freaked out. And it's because what have we seen from the 49ers? since Jimmy Garoppolo arrived in 2017. It's one injury after another. It's one quarterback issue after another. It's one bad decision after another. And they finally have something in the guy who was the last pick in the 2022 draft. And he was back over the weekend. Plays for the first time since that elbow injury. Four for five, 65 yards in one drive. Resulted in a field goal. And that's... A box you check. Yeah. You feel exactly. good about where he is. Right. And and you build on that and you get him ready for week one. Yeah. He, he looked like we remembered him looking, right? He certainly didn't. I didn't sit here and go, oh, well, he doesn't quite look like himself yet. He needs a little more work. I mean, it was impressive. He, I mean, again, just like Tua, you just felt like, wow, he's really comfortable. He knows where he's going with the football. There's no doubt about that. They got everybody involved. Debo Samuel looks like a different guy. He shed at least 10, 15 pounds, so he's got an extra rocket up his ass now. Ayuk looked good. I mean, they had it all going. And, and you know, Brock Purdy, it, it, it's, it's funny to listen to my friend Shanahan talk about him a little bit. 
You don't hear Shanahan gush about quarterbacks, and not that he gushes about it, but there's no doubt who the man is there right now. And you can tell that he's confident in him. The rest of the team is. And, uh, yeah, good for him to get out there, kind of shake the cobwebs off, and he looked like he did right before the NFC Championship game. I was on KNBR with John Lund and Greg Papa last week, and there's just this weird edge where – They think it's us against the world, and the 49ers fans just have this attitude about the national media. And I guess some of it is deserved. But they asked me at one point, why is it that the national media doesn't believe in Brock Purdy? And I said, ho, 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 wait, you must not watch our show, guys. We never said we don't believe in Brock Purdy. If Shanahan believes in him, we believe in him. That's how it works. Guy runs his offense to the satisfaction of the guy who's in charge, and And he's the guy. If he can run that offense, and if Kyle Shanahan believes in him, then I believe in him. It's that simple. That's it. Right. Kyle Shanahan believes in him, and he raves about him, and he's the guy. And it does help offset everything they gave up to get Trey Lance. When the last guy in the draft the next year, after you give up three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get Trey Lance, that does kind of balance it out and – and wipe everything clean, but they got their guy. And yes, if he stays healthy, and the only reason anyone has any trepidation about it is because no San Francisco 49er quarterback has been able to stay healthy for the past five years. Yeah, that's So other than 2019, when Jimmy Garoppolo went wire to wire, there's always been something. There's always been something. And then we capped the 2022 season with the elbow injury just when we thought, just when we were led to believe by the football gods that Brock Purdy was going to be exempt from whatever curses on the 49ers quarterbacks, it happens. So, yeah, it's going to cause some people to say, well, you know, let's see if he can stay healthy for 17 yeah, weeks. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, that's right. You know, Either way, he's got a quiet confidence in him that they believe in. He is an underrated athlete. His arm, it doesn't throw vapor trails across the air, but it's a good arm. You can see he makes all the throws. The San Francisco media, okay, I'm going to have some fun with them here because this is a con- – they just think because they were in the NFC Championship game that you're supposed to put Brock Purdy now in one of the four best quarterbacks in football conversation. And that's where I, I like come back to people with them sometimes and go, guys, it's really good. But, I mean, come on. It's the 49ers. They're awesome. It's Shanahan. I'm not ready to anoint him a top 10 quarterback in football after seven games starting or eight games starting, however many it was. And that's what we just want to see more. But confidence in the player and the team, if he stays healthy, I, I mean, come on. If you told me Brock Purdy stays healthy the whole year, I, I almost guarantee would write the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I wouldn't even think about it. That, that, so that, that, that's a false narrative that the 49er fan base is trying to create and argue with themselves about. <laughs> Hell, if you tell me that Brock Purdy – or Sam Darnold stay healthy all year. You still I'll might put do it in the it, NFC right? Championship. I, that's, but yeah. that's what triggers them on the next one about Trey Lance. Exactly. They get so yeah. freaked out about Trey Lance. How in the world can Sam Darnold be better than Trey Lance? Well, maybe he is. And we see the signs. We see it pointing in that direction that it's going to be Darnold then Lance behind Brock Purdy. But I don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's like cultish tendencies that we see at times from 49ers fans and 49ers media. And, hey, that's fine, folks. Go ahead. Do what you got to do to make yourself happy. And I know you've been close, and it's frustrating, and it's agonizing. 
You've been so close since 2019, and it feels like it's just a matter of time before you win a Super Bowl, and maybe this is the year. It's the Eagles and the 49ers in the NFC. And I think the 49ers would have beaten the Eagles if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten injured. And, hell, they kept it interesting even after Brock Purdy went out. So they keep their key players healthy this year, and it's going to be hard for me not to pick a rematch of Super Bowl 54, Chiefs and 49ers getting together in uh, Las Vegas this season. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. They're, they're, they're that type of football team. Like we talked about Miami a minute ago. The 49ers are another team you look at and go, the, the roster is it's definitely one of the best in football. They are in the top five conversation for best rosters in football. I don't think there's any denying that. I, I think that's like standard protocol. If you ask 32 head coaches who the top five rosters in football, everyone's going to have the Dolphins, the 49ers in that conversation. We know the Eagles. And then we could start the debate after that, the Chiefs and Bengals and some other teams in there. But, yeah, uh, I'm with you and your overall base thought there. Good for Brock Purdy. He looked good. Sam Darnold looked good, and so did Trey Lance. Trey Lance continues to look better and more comfortable He's fixed his mechanics to a degree like we talked about. It's not perfect, but still, I think it was another encouraging uh, appearance two weeks in a row to go, okay, we got something to build on with Trey Lance, and that should make the 49er fan base and Shanahan happy. And before we completely close the books on what the 49ers did, let's give a little airtime, shall we, to Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy so we can hear directly what they thought about Purdy's return from that elbow surgery they had back in March. I thought he did real good. I mean, all the plays that he had, he he made, and uh, I don't think he had a bad one. You know, in that sack, that wasn't uh, – we busted a protection, and well, we'll see if he could have done anything about it and got rid of it. You always try your hardest to get rid of it because once you get sacked there, it's tough to score, but um, it don't look like there was much you could do live. felt really good just to be out there with the guys in a, a game environment, um, obviously just get the nerves out a little bit. Um, just the build up to a game and everything and then being able to, you know, get a early completion to, to Debo and get things rolling. So it felt really good, you know, be able to get out there and drive and um, honestly just be in a game, you know, environment, like I said. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, reason for the 49ers fans to be excited and hopeful and not angry, not fighting. I don't know if you saw that video. There was a brouhaha. There was a melee in the stands for the Broncos 49ers preseason game but uh you know be happy 49ers fans it should be it's all good don't get don't get all nervous and anxious until the playoffs roll around you should be fine from week one through week 18 jimmy garoppolo will he be fine week one through week 18 he's the guy that we have that graphic that almost needs a second page from all the injuries he's had dating back to tearing his acl week three of the 2018 season in kansas city he led the raiders on a touchdown drive in his preseason debut nine plays 68 yards seven yard touchdown run by brandon bolden to cap it jimmy was four for four for 39 yards. It was the first time he'd played since even earlier than Tuatonga by Lowe. It was three weeks earlier that Garoppolo had suffered that foot injury that resulted in him missing the rest of the year, failing his physical with the Raiders, having surgery, questions about whether or not he'd be good to go. Looks good so far in that game against the LA Rams. Chris. Yeah, that's right. You know, like a Brock Purdy for Shanahan, you know, Garoppolo for, for Josh McDaniels, same thing. Just, hey, or run the offense. I'm going to give you a ton of answers. You just if you could sit in the pocket here and read it the right way, I'm, people will be open. You just got to hit the open guy. 
He looked good the other night. He did. I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out there. There was no Devontae Adams in the lineup. They didn't play a, a lot of their starting receivers. They didn't even play their starting tackles. The other thing, too, that was kind of encouraging there, and, and again, we, you know, we've talked about it. I don't think the Rams are going to be very good, right? But, damn, the Raiders, their O-line. I mean, I know it was the Rams' second team D, but they just steamrolled the Rams on that way. So I'm, I'm on the on the defensive line there, and Zamir White looks really good, which is why I want to go. Hey, Josh Jacobs, please get back. I mean, Zamir White's going to run for a thousand yards again behind that O line, and it's just not going to look good for you. Come back and get your money. But either way, good start for Jimmy G. I'm sure even for a guy like him who's played as much as he had, he's probably a little nervous, wants to feel the foot, feel the movement of the game, and he looked good. You know, it's been two and a half weeks since we were in Canton. Yeah. And for our pregame show in advance of the Jets-Browns game, I did some reporting on the Josh Jacobs situation. And since then, nothing, right? There's been nothing. Yeah. There's been no report. There's been no news. There's been nothing. The only time his name's come up is after the Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook deals last Monday. We both said, hey, Josh, go get that 10-1. Yeah. Probably a good idea to go get that 10-1. Elliott signed him for up to six, and Dalvin Cook's got this funky contract that protects the Jets that may not be anything close to what he was hoping to get in the grand scheme of things. 10-1, and here we are, 20 days now from the week one game that the Raiders play against the Denver Broncos, and there's nothing. And Two weeks from now, as we get into the final days in advance of the game. Yeah, that's when they'll think about that's it. That's when I'm going to be paying attention yeah. for the news. Right. For for the Raiders to yank the franchise tender. And the stuff you're saying, offensive line looks good. Zamir White looks good. And maybe it's just a case of the GM, Dave Ziegler, and the head coach, Josh McDaniels, hoping that they get a phone call one morning after Mark Davis rolls out of bed and says, why do we have $10.1 million tied up in one guy? How much better is he going to make us at this point? Why don't we reclaim the 10-1, spend it on other guys, or save it for next year? But why are we going to keep that money out on the table for a guy that may not help us make a difference, especially if he's walking through the door cold just two or three days before week one? I have felt, and I know the people who cover the Raiders, and oh, that's all bull crap and fake news and whatever other pejoratives they want to throw. I've just felt for a while now that this is the end game. And it's not something that they can do in March or April. They had to apply the tag. They had to go through the motions. They had to act like they were trying to sign and do a long-term deal. And now, at the right time, at the right moment, that tag goes away. I mean, what, what urgency have we seen? What urgency have we heard from the Raiders to get him to show up? Chris, I think it's just... I, I, I could be wrong, and trust me, I've been wrong enough times that it doesn't bother me anymore, but I am not going to be surprised at all if they take that money back and they make Josh Jacobs a free agent. And then things get real interesting because where would Josh Jacobs land? We're getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but keep an eye on it because until he shows up, until he says, I'll take the 10-1, that possibility lingers that the Raiders say, we don't really need to spend 10-1 on Josh Jacobs. And I'm surprised, I, yeah. frankly, they haven't come to that conclusion yet. I think it's it's fair to connect those dots. I don't care how many people yell and holler at you. I, you're, I, I think it's it's perfectly respectable to have that kind of thought and, and think that, ooh, that could happen. 
with a team that we know does not value the position maybe as other teams that's always been, you know, a part of an organization that had a stable of running backs and, you know, McDaniels, Belichick, whatever, they don't like to overspend on anything. So that, that, you know, it will be something to watch for here. And then the the last thing I want to just say about it is Josh Jacobs, please just please go in to the facility and sign the damn contract. What are you doing right now? You're not changing the game. Nobody's, nobody's like going, oh, man, running back market's got to change. Look, Josh Jacobs isn't in a camp. He's not here. Man, he's really making a point. Man, the league's not the same. Come on, Josh Jacobs. This is, you're, you're, you're truly only hurting yourself right now. I love where your heart is at. The cause is real. It's just not going to affect anything. Get in there. Get your money. Right, you're gonna if they take away this damn franchise tag, yeah, you might get to go to a better football team. You might get to go to the Chiefs or the Broncos or the Chargers. Who knows? And stick it to the Raiders. But are they going to pay you ten million dollars? I don't know about that. I I would doubt it actually. So that's where I think we both want them in there. Dalvin Cook had the very wise comments last week. At a certain point, the running back just has to go play. At a certain point, there's nothing else you can do except go play and hope for the best on the back end. Before we wrap, here's Jimmy Garoppolo talking about his first game action since early December of 2022. Oh, good. Just uh, knock some of the rust off, uh, getting the game flow with some of the guys. It was, uh, it's little things like that right now that we're trying to work on, and I thought the guys played well tonight. Yeah, I wanted to play, uh, so glad Josh you know, let the starters get out there and get a couple reps in. Uh, and I thought the line played great. I thought Guys were just operating at a fast, fast pace, uh, which is important in this offense. And you know, I thought, thought it was overall pretty good. So, again, off the Raiders go. They have the Broncos week one of the regular season. And, uh, this, this, you know, week one, there's always great games. And we'll take whatever we can get because we've been waiting for real games for so long. But that one, you know, we got to figure out how that bottom of the AFC West yeah. and who's going to maybe rise up and challenge the Chargers and the Chiefs, and it's it's an early indication. And I know things will change after that, but it's an early indication as to which of those two teams is maybe going to be in a position to disrupt the top of that division, if yeah. either. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It, it's, 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 I think we're all, we know Kansas City, but it's like can Denver and Sean Payton and Russell Wilson really make a mark here? Can the Chargers turn the corner and stay healthy and be consistent all year and actually be a team that instead of just – trying to barely get in the playoffs, be a real powerhouse. I think we both agree their roster is worthy of that, but we just got to see them put it together. There's questions in that AFC West with the other three teams, potential too, which I think makes it fun and, and of course, makes the AFC crazy as ever. You know, there's several games like that week one where we get an early idea of where a couple of teams, middle of the pack-ish, where they're going to be, how it's going to break, and it's still – Way too early because teams will get better and teams will get worse. But those outcomes in week one are relevant to the standings and relevant to the tiebreakers. Same time that the Raiders and Broncos are playing that week one, Packers and Bears are playing. Mm. Same idea. Yeah. So, you know, not that we need to sell week one because everybody's excited for week one, but I'm looking at some of these games and it's, you know. Yeah. There's there's no game I wouldn't watch largely because it's week one, but we, we start learning about these teams we've been talking so much about. We get to see what's going to happen when they go out and play, realizing that 
you know what, you could win week one and you could lose the rest of them. Or you could lose week one and you could win the rest of them. Regardless, week one is week one. And it's amazing to think it starts in 17 days and we'll be there in Kansas City when we find out whether or not the Lions are just a bunch of of uh, of hot air and yeah. nothing. Paper champs. If they can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, yeah. Right, yeah. I, I, I still I, don't know why the Jaguars aren't getting more buzz. Like the Jaguars, we talked about this last week. The Jag, oh, we got the countdown clock. Boom. Have I finally figured it out? Did I go the did. right way? You got the right way. Did I go the right way? Right. I did. <laughs> um, the Jaguars did more than the Lions last year. They made it to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. I understand they're in the more difficult conference, but the Jaguars have done much more than the Lions. If we want to throw in 2017 as well, the Jaguars at least has a recent history of something. The Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991. I just think it's too much pressure, and the expectations are too high, and maybe they'll wear it well. But we're going to find out. I mean, if the Chiefs win that game 38-13, we're going to feel differently about the Lions the next morning. No, I, yeah, it is. It, it, and and then there's a part of me that wouldn't be shocked that if Kansas City did beat them like that. You know, and, and not to say that really dictates how the rest of the year goes, but like you said, the pressure, that moment, first game, dealing with that team that we know is they're playing their starters and, oh, yeah, Patty Mahomes and company are ready to go. They're going to be ready to go week one. But I think it's we saw the offense and we saw them at the end of last year certainly come on and get hot down the stretch and beat teams that were – you know, looked at, they beat the Vikings late in the year. They, you know, beat the Jets, who I know didn't go to the playoffs, but are very talented. Beat the Packers twice. Beat the Giants once. We're in a game with the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving where Josh Allen had to make an amazing throw to win the game. So I think that's where it comes from. But still, to your point, yeah, Jacksonville should be getting more love than, than Detroit. I would agree with that. But again... If you put Jacksonville in the NFC, maybe they would be. That's yeah, the, maybe that's, that's it. Maybe the reality. Right. right. And maybe it would be Jaguars, Eagles, 49ers is the three teams that are the class of the NFC if the Jaguars were assigned to that conference. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll compare some quarterback performances from week one of the preseason to week two of the preseason. Who got better? Who got worse? Who stayed the same? More PFT Live right after this. <laughs> 